You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. If you guys are joining us online from somewhere in the world, United States, outside of the States, guys, we are so glad you're here. God has something special for you this weekend. If you're joining us at our Overland Park campus, maybe you're in the venue uh, right now or in the auditorium, man, we're glad to have you here. If you're joining us at our Olathe campus, guys, we have some exciting things going on right next door to us. You know, we're, we're renting Prairie Creek Elementary. They'll be, they're building right now a brand new middle school right next door to us, which is right across the street from our future home. There's our property there. So it's just incredible. All these new homes, new families, community to minister to. Uh, God's just given us a privilege to be positioned for this moment. Excited about that. So we're going to be this week in Exodus 16, if you want to join me. Exodus 16. Our ushers have Bibles. You can raise your hand, get a Bible. Uh, Just go in your Bible app or open a Bible to there. If you're new to the Bible, then you can find Exodus 16 pretty easily. Go to the first book, which is Genesis. Turn right. That's Exodus. And then go to chapter 16. And so you're there. Here's a question for all of us to start off. When is the last time you have experienced serious hunger? You've experienced serious hunger in your life. When's the last time? Now, I'm talking about physical hunger of food, but there are a variety of hungers we have. And if you can't think of one of those, how about this? How does hunger affect you? Like when you're hungry, like how does it affect your body, your mind, your spirit, your soul? Now, I can say in my life, I've never actually faced a serious hunger before. I mean, I get hangry, but I'm not sure that really counts. Uh, I I think the closest I had was Boy Scouts. I was at a Boy Scout camp years ago, and they had a certain uh, Boy Scout season where you would go off for a 24-hour fast, fasting for 24 hours from food, fasting from talking, also 24 hours. I'm not sure which was harder, the food or the talking, but I did experience hunger at that time, and I mean, I, I experienced it. And, but it wasn't dangerous, it wasn't a crisis, and I knew it would end. But here's the deal. Hunger around the world is an issue. There are 795, around the world, 795 million people. One in nine people in the world are chronically undernourished. There's physical hunger in the U.S. And that picture, by the way, is, comes from the National Geographic uh, story on hunger. That's Kristen and her grandma Janet in Iowa. They visit a soup kitchen each week and, and need a food from a food pantry to survive. In the U.S., one out of eight households face food insecurity. There's hunger around the Kansas City area. Harvesters serves 26 counties around the Kansas City area. And the harvester says that one out of seven people around Kansas City, one out of seven, face food insecurity. And there's hunger in our area as well. So Mission Southside is one of our fantastic outreach partners here at Grace. In fact, our Israel mission trip team served yesterday at our church-wide serve day. We served at one of the Mission Southside locations. Anyway, that's a picture of 45 back snacks that Mission Southside and volunteers produced 250 of them over that for hungry middle schoolers. These are middle schoolers who on the weekend have no food to eat 
These are middle schoolers at schools that we know about. I'm talking Oregon Trail Middle, Indian Trail, Frontier Trail, California Trail, Santa Fe Trail, Reet Ridge, Trail Ridge Middle, on and on. And Grace Church has helped fund those back snacks as well as put those together as well. Guys, hunger is an issue. It's legitimate. When someone is hungry, it affects them. They've done studies about this. There's less energy when you're hungry. You have less health. You have higher stress and a higher incidence of disease. When you're a child and hungry, you got all that, including you don't grow like God intended. You have lower test scores, higher behavioral problems. Hunger, physical hunger, is an issue. Today we're actually in a series continuing through the book of Exodus. Been saying this over and over. The book of Exodus is a picture of our spiritual journey. That is the things that Israel faced physically in the book of Exodus. Like today, physical hunger. Those things are a picture of a spiritual hunger that we face in our journeys today. And so today we're looking at the story that Israel has over 2 million people escape from Egypt. They're camping out in the desert. And after 45 days, the food runs out. Earlier, I asked you about your physical hunger in your life. Let me follow up on your spiritual nutrition level. So, throughout your week, would you characterize your spiritual life more as being spiritually full? Yeah, I'm, I'm spiritually filled day by day. Or, would you say, okay, I think I'm spiritually hungry. I'm dealing with spiritual malnutrition throughout my week. Which is a better characterization of your spiritual life? And if you're suffering spiritual hunger, malnutrition, like how does that affect you spiritually? Physical hunger affects you physically. What does spiritual hunger do to somebody? And what can be done about it? So let's pray. We're talking about Exodus 16. God, I pray you would open up the Bible to us, help us to see this incredible passage that shows us physical hunger and what you did for Israel to provide for that. And there's a need we have, a hunger in us. You've given us, you allow us to hunger and have this need, this void, this emptiness. God, that only you can fill. I pray those who follow Jesus would be inspired and trained on how they can fill themselves spiritually from this connection with you. And God, I pray for those who don't know Christ, who don't have the Holy Spirit in their soul yet. May they surrender and place their faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to walk through Exodus chapter 16 now. We're going to see how God provided food for Israel as they wandered for 40 years. For some people, by the way, this is a nightmare. This is a camp out. Do you like camping out? Imagine taking the entire Kansas City area, over 2 million people on your camp out. And now you're in the desert, 2 million people, all of Kansas City. And after 45 days... The food runs out. Does that sound fun to you? Hearing every noise of all your neighbors and their animals. Seriously, this is their reality. And how do the people, when they run out of food, this is really serious. How do they respond when they run out of food? Verse 2, Exodus 16, 2 says, Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now, this is a legitimate complaint. They have no food. They're complaining against their two leaders, Moses and Aaron. They have three complaints. You see these three complaints in verse 3. And the children of Israel said to them, complaint number one is an exaggeration. 
Oh, that we had died. Seriously? Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. That is an exaggeration. Complaint number two, forgetfulness. Took them six weeks. They've forgotten how bad life was. When we sat by the pots of meat, it was awesome. When we ate bread to the full, we loved our slavery. It was forgetfulness. Third complaint. They're making up stories in their heads about their leaders and their motives. And they say, for you, you two guys have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They're making up motives of their leaders. A false accusation. The people were complaining. When is the last time you were like Moses and Aaron? You had someone complaining about you. When's the last time you heard someone complaining about you? You say, in the car on the way here. Fantastic. All right. So, so the good news about Exodus chapter 16 is that Israel shows us the right way to complain. You know there's a right way to complain, a wrong way? They complain the right way. Exodus 3 verse 1 says, And the children of Israel said to them, Here's the right way to complain. You complain to the people you have the complaint with. That's the right way. That's Matthew 18. Taking your complaints to the people you have the complaint with, what's the wrong way to complain? Leaking out your complaints to other people. Peers, friends, moaning, gossip, which is a sin and destructive. At least they show us the right way to complain. Do you take your complaints directly, carefully, only to the people you have complaints with? Or do you leak out your complaints to other people, which is gossip, a sin, and destructive? Now, hearing complaints is no fun. No one likes hearing complaints. I want to give you five reasons why you need complaints, why complaints about you can be great for you. Five reasons you need people to complain to you about you. Number one, candor. Number one reason, candor. When people are complaining to you, at least they're communicating with you, which is a relationship. That's good. Candor is good. Another reason complaints can be good for you, great for you. Number two, data. Number two, data. When people are complaining to you, it's new data. And you cannot change what you do not know about. New data is good. Number three, complaints can be great for you because of number three, growth. Growth. You need people to complain to you so you grow up. Because when people are complaining to you, right or wrong, when you show patience with people, when you don't interrupt them, when you really listen, when you have compassion, you grow up. You mature. Number three, you need people to complain to you so you grow and you mature. Number four reason why it's great to hear complaints, confidence. Number four, confidence. When people are complaining to you, it might be an indication. It might that you're actually following Jesus. That's Luke 6, verse 26. Complaints can be a confidence builder, maybe, that you're actually following Jesus, Luke 6, 26. And number five reason, complaints can be great for you. Number five, Jesus. Number five, Jesus. When people are complaining to you, especially if it's false, if it's a fake complaint, a false accusation, that is awesome because that's what Jesus went through. And when you're having false accusations to you, You feel what it's like, what Jesus went through. And knowing Jesus better 
is great. You can't learn that without people complaining to you with false accusations. Five quick reasons why complaints about you can be great for you. All right, what did God do about this hunger situation? It's Exodus 16. It says in verse 4, look what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread for you, bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. Why every day? That I may test them. This would be a test for them. What's the test? Whether they will walk in my law or not. Okay, here's the story. Every night while they're sleeping, God rained down bread. They'd open their tent flaps, and they expected these fully baked loaves of bread. That would be awesome, but no, it looked like it snowed. Imagine your mind, like greater Kansas City, camping together in the desert, and as far as you can see, this fine, white, snow-like bread dust. Bread dust on the animals, on the tents, on the ground. Every morning you're supposed to go out and gather the bread dust for their food that day. On Fridays, you'd gather double the bread dust your household needs because Saturday's a rest day. It was the Sabbath. And God said, all these things are a test. I'll test you this way because if you're faithful in the small things, like gathering the bread dust when I say, You'll be faithful in the big things. I can't trust you with big things. You can't do the small things, God says. When God, so when Israel woke up the next day, it wasn't what they expected. They saw bread dust, verse 15. They didn't know what to call it. The Hebrew word for what is that is manna. 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 What is it? They, look, at this, verse 15. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to another, one to another, manna. What is it? For they did not know what it was, expecting loaves of bread. Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. So when they named the bread, man, what is that? Let's name it. What is it? Hey, honey, before you go out for the day, can you gather more what is it? We need more what is it. The kids ate all the what is it. Yes, you didn't gather enough what is it. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Siri. Can you add what is it to the shopping list? That'd be awesome. We ran out. Tomorrow, can you add it again and again and again for 40 straight years? That'd be awesome. They gathered it in these containers that were two liters, two liter containers called omers, verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. Your nutritional needs differ based on your age and your activity level, if you do less activity, you don't need as much food. You do more activity, more strenuous, need more food. Younger, older, whatever their age, it depends on your need. One omer, one two liter for each person. According to the number of persons, let every man, every dad or husband, take for those who are in his tent. Side note for the dads and the husbands, it was incumbent upon the leader of the household to ensure that their household Got enough bread for that day. All right. So let's picture this moment. So what they would do is they would throw up the tent flaps and they would see this white bread dust. What is that? That's manna. And so they'd go out there as far as the eye could see. They'd see manna. What is it? And so they'd have these two liters, one for each of the members of their family. They'd gather more or less and they'd just start collecting the manna. The bread dust. What is it? And so, I got to get enough, man. Joe ate all his manna. I think he's in a growth spurt. And the manna 
tasted like honey. Let's see. Dog does. <laughs> that was dumb. I ate too much manna. Awesome. I seriously can't talk. Anyway, excuse me. Okay, I had too much manna. But don't miss this. Every day you wake up, this is the state of your bowl. Every day you have two choices. You either gather the manna or you go about your day. Trample all over it. Don't miss it. Two choices. Gather the manna or go about your day. Trample all over it. All right, two other things you need to know. One's verse 19, one's verse 20. Verse 19 says this. And Moses said, I'm still working the man in my mouth. Oh, dear God, pray for saliva. Verse 19. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. What had happened? You couldn't live today off of yesterday's manna. Today's needs have today's nutritional needs. What happened? The manna went bad overnight. Went bad. You had to gather connection with manna today for today's needs. Verse 21 So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. So what happened? The sun came up like dew, melting away. It would vanish. What was going on here? So there was a point in time, like if you go about your day and you remember too late, the day is gone. The man is gone. Isn't that true? Like the day just happened. And I didn't, I didn't gather the man, that's the story of manna. Every single day, Israel faced this physical hunger. Every day, God rained bread down for them. But it wasn't loaves. They had to gather it. They had to choose to gather it. And if they did that, they didn't feed on it. They'd be filled. They'd have life. That's Exodus 16. The book of Exodus is a picture of our spiritual journey. They had a physical hunger. We have spiritual hunger. That manna, that bread, pictured two things. The first thing is this. Manna pictured the Bible. Manna pictured the Bible. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, Moses, after 40 years of eating that bread, realized that bread was a picture of feeding on the Bible. Do you feed on the Bible? We need the Bible as much as we need food. Look what it says here, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. Realize, God God lets you feel empty on purpose. He lets you feel emptiness and hunger and thirst and need, like there's something more to life on purpose. Why? To draw you to him. That's why he lets you feel that way. We try to fill it with people and, you know, relationships and money and all sorts of things in this world that you can't fill that. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know, here it comes, that man shall not live by bread alone. Like, it's not like physical food alone we need, but man lives by every word. There's the Bible that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We need the Bible like we need food. What does food do for us? What does food do for us? It satisfies us, gives us energy or calories that we burn. It helps us grow, helps us build muscles, and food is a joy we can share with others. And all these things 
are what the Bible are for us. The Bible is like food. It satisfies us. It fills that need we try to fill with other things. The Bible's like food. It gives us the calories, the energy spiritually. When you're going through a hard time spiritually, you need more calories, more manna, more Bible promises to feed and live on in that season. The Bible's like food. You can't grow spiritually without the Bible. Like you can't grow physically without food. First, first Peter 2 verse 2 says this. 1 Peter 2 verse 2 talks about the fact that you cannot grow without the nutritional content of the Bible, which is why if your only time you encounter the Bible is on the weekends, like if you're super faithful, you come four weekends a month, if you're the average person twice a month, imagine eating meals twice a month. How would you feel that month if you ate two meals a month or four meals a month? Like it would impact you physically. I mean, people would notice it. The Bible's like food. It builds your strength. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Which means if you're feeding on the Bible, your faith in God grows. You sense it. When you don't feed on the Bible, your faith in God shrinks. Romans 10, 17. And the Bible's like food. It's a joy to eat. It's even sweet. Not like sawdust, like honey. That's Psalm 119, 103. We need the Bible like we need food. Here's the question. Am I filling the spiritual hunger God gave me with the Bible? Am I filling my spiritual hunger with the Bible? Is God, is God feeding me throughout my week? Am I filled? Am I fasting spiritually every single week? My example is this weekend. So I felt spiritually depleted this weekend, like exhausted, depleted, and so I said, i got to read my Bible, and I, I'm reading through the Bible with several of you, many of you, I guess, uh, at visitgracechurch.com slash Bible is where our church-wide Bible reading plan is right now. So the next chapter was Psalm 90. So I felt spiritually depleted, and I read Psalm 90, one of my favorite psalms by Moses. What happened to me? Well, I thought about God more than when I wasn't reading the Bible, and I felt myself get seriously just filled up. I was reminded about principles I'd kind of forgotten about, but I felt my soul start to get filled up. And I even had thoughts, I I could walk away with that thought today. When I finished my time with God, I had this meal by myself with God, Psalm 90. That's what the Bible's intended. Are you feeding your soul by feeding upon the Bible? Could it be that your whole spiritual life is impacted by your malnutrition? Like your satisfaction level, your spiritual energy and stamina level, how much you're growing or not growing these days, your spiritual muscle or strength, the joy you're experiencing in life. One of our pastoral goals for our church this next year is to help everybody have this quiet time or this time with God. Any plan will work. Here's what we recommend. If you don't have a plan, try this one. Experiment. 10, 15 minutes. You read something. Read anything. Pray beforehand because God is the one who reveals his spiritual word. You say, God, I need your help. It's your book. It's a spiritual book. Would you please give me something, anything? Then you read. You don't have to have the same amount of manna as I do. Like I read a certain number of chapters. You don't have to eat that much manna, but something, anything. Sometimes you need more, sometimes less. But you read it. If you don't get anything, you read it again. And you read it until you pick up that bread dust, that food you need. That's your takeaway. That's your manna. And for me, I write it down. I write it down. That's your manna for the day. The manna pictured the Bible. How are you doing with the spiritual hunger you have? 
God gave you, allows you with the Bible. Second thing, the man of pictures, by the way, the man of pictured Jesus. The man of pictured Jesus. And there's a connection, by the way, between the written word of God, inspired through sinful prophets, but made perfect, and the living word of God, brought through a sinful woman named Mary, but made perfect in Jesus. I mean, there's a connection between the written word of God, the living word of God. That's John chapter 1. That's amazing. There's a connection when you read the Bible. You're reading kind of Jesus with, with, he's, he's the Bible with flesh on. This is his heart, his thoughts. You're connecting with Jesus. It's not an intellectual exercise only. It's a spiritual connection with the living Savior. And so what happens is John 6 verse 32 Jesus is talking about the manna with the nation of Israel. They said, well, Moses gave us this bread. And he's like, no, Moses had nothing to do with it. God gave you the bread from heaven. John 6, 32. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. He was the messenger. He had nothing to do with it. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he. The bread of God is a person. The bread of God is Jesus. He was the one who came down from heaven 2,000 years ago. When you, when, you, it's a, when you connect with Jesus, that you feeding upon him, letting him fill your hunger needs. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, they said, well, we've done internet searches. We cannot find this bread. We've looked everywhere. Lord, give us this bread always. No internet search helps us find the bread of life. Jesus said, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall, don't don't miss this, never hunger. Doesn't mean you you have those hungers. But if you come to him, the hunger goes away. And you also have to believe too. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Never thirst. We need Jesus every day like we need food. Here's the question to ask ourselves. Am I filling my spiritual hunger with Jesus? When you feel empty, when you feel hopeless, when you feel sad, when you feel like there's got to be something more to life, what do you look to to help that feeling go away, fill that need? Do you just think, if things were just perfect around here, everything in order, then I'd be happy? Or do you think, if everyone's just calm and at peace and stop arguing, then I would be happy? Or if I had more control around here, if they do what I say, they do what I say, then I would be happy. Lie, lie, lie. Perfectionism will not make you happy. You can't be happy from that. Being ready at peace, no conflict, will not make you happy. Being in control more will not make you happy. That hunger will only be filled by Jesus. What do you run to? There's got to be something more in life. I'm hungry. I'm sad. I'm empty. What do you run to? Money? Sex? TV? The opinion of your friends? If your friends were happy with you, then now you're happy. Social media? Alcohol? Pills? Pornography? Respect? Success? In the classroom, in the boardroom, on the ball field? Is it kids? Is it experiencing love? Having a certain number of likes in your social media? We need, we need Jesus like we need food. Am I filling my spiritual hunger with Jesus? My story from this week, I was in a series of meetings this week, intense meetings, and in one of the meetings, I was dying. 
I just died. I was, I was empty. I needed God in this meeting. I won't say the meeting, but I took a vacation in my brain, in my soul, in that meeting. And I called out to Jesus. I'm like, I, what I did was I thought, okay, yeah, mentally I checked out for a moment, okay? But I thought about heaven in that meeting. I was gone. I thought about Jesus. I thought about how he views me. I thought about eternity. I thought about his promises. And that pausing and connecting with Jesus in that meeting filled me up. That's how you do it. You can have a meal with Jesus in another meeting. Do you fill your spiritual hunger with Jesus? So here's the deal. We're just like the nation of Israel. They did it physically. We did it spiritually every single day. They'd open their tent flaps, and there, as far as the eye can see, God had made himself available, the word of God available, a fresh dose. Yesterday's contact could not help them today. That stuff went bad. It was a fresh contact. And if they waited too long in their day, this, that, and the other, you know how it goes in life. I mean to get with Jesus. I mean to kind of connect with him. At the end of your day, what just happened to my day? It's like it burned away. What happened to my day? It was consumed. It's go- how could I spend an entire day and not even thinking about the creator, not even thinking about the Savior. Well, you kind of go about your day. Every day we got two choices we wake up. Oh, God, thank you for this day. You gave me another day on earth. Your faithfulness is renewed every morning. Every day you open your tent flap, so to speak, and there's God and there's his word just rained down and available for you. You got two choices. You can gather it for your day. I need Jesus today. I do. I need some food. I need to read the Bible, get something, anything. I'll write it down. Or you can go about your day, walk all over it, and look, look back. Oh, my goodness. I have been empty. What, what is your pattern in life? This is not meant to be, you know, uh, critical of those things. Jesus is available. Here's the cool thing. Every morning, if you've not eaten for weeks... Guess what God's still doing? Making himself available fresh today. Start over. Forget the past. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm excited. That's Jesus. By the way, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're empty. You don't have Christ as Savior yet. I beg you to receive Christ. I beg you to connect with Jesus and his word. Let's pray. God, I do pray that you would do an incredible work right now in our hearts that those who are believers in Christ would examine themselves with no condemnation about their nutritional levels spiritually recently, the way they connect with you throughout their day or not, the way they feed on your word or not. And I pray they see how that ties in directly to their growth, their strength, their life, their satisfaction, their joy, all these kind of things. That's what you do. You bring life. You are the bread of God that came down from heaven so we could have life God, please start a trend, start a revival in our church of people worshiping in their time with you. God, I pray for those who don't have Christ. May they give their lives to you. Please, may it make sense. They surrender, receive Christ as Savior, commit their lives to you. And Lord, please, Jesus, do a work in our souls. And you can do that today. You can surrender your heart to Jesus today if you don't know him. You just say to Jesus, Jesus, I, 
I've felt empty inside for, for too long. I've been trying to fill my, my, my heart. I've been trying to fill my, my soul, my belly with things that, that do not satisfy and that leave me wanting more and empty and alone. And I, I truly need something else. And, and today, maybe the answer for you is, is Jesus, that you need to surrender your heart to him. You need to put your faith in him. You see, Jesus, I believe you. I trust in you. I want to follow you and make you Lord of my life. This is the amazing truth of this, is that God has something for you right now. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.